So, you come over to our house for dinner, and you've never, yeah, we'll see you tonight. You come over to our house for dinner, my kids already know this, my wife surely knows this, and you've never been there before, there's probably about four, you can probably get a bingo card out, and know that there are about four stories you're going to hear. At some point throughout the dinner, we're going to talk about living in Central Asia, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about something about our neighborhood, and we're going to mention that. Depending on who's there and what state of life they're in, we might tell some story of how Cindy and I met, or we might tell where our kids got their names, or that kind of thing. And those are like the staple stories of dinner at the Sullivan's, okay? To the point that we even say sometimes, hey, tell them about the time you, hey, they got to hear the story of blah, blah, blah. And then we retell the story and everybody chimes in. They give their little dig and their angle of it. And we've told these stories hundreds of, hundreds of times, not thousands, but possibly a hundred, right? Fourteen, yeah. Dozens, at least dozens. It kind of shows that, like, when you come, and, and you guys probably do the same thing, right? Some new person comes into the family, somebody brings somebody home for Christmas, whatever. You make sure they hear this story. You make sure they hear that story. It shows how important eating and sitting around and eating together and sharing life together lets you into somebody's life and lets you see a window into what's important to them because you're sitting there eating with them. It's not like sitting at McDonald's eating chicken nuggets and you keep it shallow, right? If I come to your house, I sit at your dinner table, I'm going to hear your good old stories. You guys, we're having communion. It's the Last Supper. It's remembering the Last Supper. Here's Jesus sitting around the table with the guys, and this is his last chance. And usually the way Jesus would eat a meal, he would go to a, some, you know, some big-time influential person's house. And the way they set up their houses, how, I mean, this sounds totally conceited to us. You'd have your dinner table where you would sit and eat. And then you'd have other chairs where people could sit and watch you eat. Okay, what in the world? Why would you do that? That's like their university. That's like their, that's like their school. And so... I'm not, gonna, I'm not hungry, but I want to go over to the Rabbi Gamaliel's house so I can sit because he's going to have so-and-so in from this other city and they're going to sit and talk and I want to sit there and listen to them talk because that's how I'm going to get teaching from rabbis. And that's how I'm going to learn the Torah is by sitting and listening to their dinner conversation. Because that's what they would do. They would sit and they would talk. And hey, we're eating together, so we got to go over this. And we got to ask this question. And then sometimes people that were sitting there watching might even say, excuse me, I have a question. Is this what it means by this? And now all of a sudden you've got like a panel discussion, but these guys are sitting around eating. And they talk about it. And that's why there's so much teaching around Jesus went to the home of so-and-so and it had this conversation and they had this teaching and that teaching, which is pretty awesome. Like I would much rather go to a dining room table university than like 
expensive USI, right? Or expensive UV. Dining room table university. We should make that. Get that website. So Jesus, on this occasion, he said, hey, go talk to so-and-so. They're going to show you. Tell them the master needs a place to have the Passover meal. And they found this spot and there was no audience. They found a place that was secluded and away. They weren't going to get interrupted by any questions from the crowd. Because the only people that Jesus wanted to teach in that moment were the twelve. I just want these guys together. It doesn't even mention that any of the Marys were there. You know, there are are these various women that would join in with them and that were disciples of Jesus and were there for a lot of his teaching. There's no mention of any of them coming to the Last Supper. It's like, look, we just need, I just need this small group of guys. There were other men that followed Jesus and were disciples. And so when Jesus sent out the 72, they had power to heal. They had power to cast out demons, power to raise the dead. Those guys weren't there. It was just the 12. And while they're there, he gives his teachings. And we're going to talk about the sermon today. But as we take communion today, you can come on up and pass it out. I want you to think about, okay... If this is the stuff that Jesus taught around a dinner table the night before he was killed, the night before he was killed, not only is it important because he's talking about it around food and a dinner table, that elevates it, you know it's important, but it's just with the 12 and it's the night before he dies. And so all the teaching that he gives in that context is like that much bigger deal. That much, I don't want to say you take one thing that Jesus said more seriously than something else. But if you're going to, if you're going to pay attention to something Jesus said, it's going to be around a dinner table the night before he dies, right? So... The exciting thing is what he said at that moment. It's the first time he called his disciples friends. You are my friends. So their relationship would be, oh, I will serve you. I will do whatever you ask. I am so grateful to you. I am at your service. And Jesus says, that's all great. I appreciate y'all, but you're my friends. We are climbing underneath this car together to fix it. I'm not leaving expecting you to fix it while I'm gone. We are together in this. It's also at the Last Supper, he says, this is a covenant. This is a promise in my body and my blood. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood making a covenant with you and with God. And so, in light of that, remember to take the clear part off first. And then the funny foil part. So, at that meal, he took the Passover bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks. He thanked God for this. And he said, this is my body broken for you. God bless you as you eat it.
Then he took the cup at this meal. And it was the last cup of the night. And he said, this is a cup of a new covenant. A whole new covenant. It's a covenant in my blood poured out for you. God bless you as you drink it. Alright, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you gave yourself for us. That you gave up you gave up all of your divine power to be a weak man that would be able to be broken and be able to bleed and hurt. And that you did that for us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for inviting us into this that we could participate in it with you and that you would rescue us out of it ultimately. We praise you, Jesus. Amen.